Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night podcast from TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattrall. It is a pleasure to be in your company. Before we get stuck in, make sure you subscribe to the show. You can do it via all your podcast providers or via the TalkSport website. Go and get yourself stuck in. Every single Saturday night, I'm on the radio with Spencer Oliver, bringing you the very latest boxing conversation and, of course, getting stuck in to some of the biggest names in the fight sports game. Saturday night was absolutely no different whatsoever. But before I introduce you to some of the guests that were with us, let's get stuck in to some of the biggest talking points, one of which being the current situation with the heavyweight division. Shall we start with uh, heavyweights? Seeing as that uh, everybody seems to be talking about heavyweights at the moment, don't they? Uh, We've got some big fights coming up. February, of course, it is the undisputed heavyweight championship fight between Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. First one in the best part of 25 years, which is ridiculous, we know, but we're getting it, and we're getting it in February. And then, of course, Anthony Joshua back in action in March, uh, taking on Francis Ngannou. Um, I saw clips. I haven't seen the full thing uh, this week, but I've seen clips of uh, those sit-downs that they do, the, like the gloves-are-off type scenarios where you have a presenter sat in the middle of two fighters and you, you pork them a little bit, you, you say, a, uh, say a little bit of this and say a little bit of that and see if you can get them going. Uh, Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk this week going at it. Um, have you, did you catch it yourself? Yeah, I, I did. I did. What Mr. did you make of it? <clears throat> Mr. Steve Bunce was that guy that was trying to prod the fire, but you haven't really got to do that with Tyson Fury, have you? Like, you, you haven't really got to give him too much. You know, the, the insult straight started straight away about the earrings, etc., etc. Alexander Usyk's a cool cat, though. You know, he took it, you know, took it in his stride. He knows what he was going into. I mean, Fury did throw a few compliments his way as well, but it was, yeah, it was what I expected, if I'm totally honest. Tyson Fury, he tries to get in his opponent's head, doesn't he? And that's what he's doing now, he's, and that's, that's what he's all about. For those that haven't heard it, have a listen to this. This is Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk, sitting down with Steve Bunce, as uh, Spencer's just uh, spoken about there. Having a little bit of a, a face-off before they throw down in February. It's for our destiny now to go on and fight for the championship. Nobody else was chosen in all the 24 years. Many heavyweight champions before you, before me, before us. 
but they didn't have the opportunity to fight for the undisputed championship for one reason or the other. Of course. So all we've got to do now is dance, and I look forward to the challenge. Do, do you think at some point in the future, five years, ten years, fifteen years, with grandchildren, do you think you'll all get together? Honestly, speaking honestly to God, I don't have any rivalry with Alexander. No hatred. No, there's no rivalry. It's just business. Just business for me. Go in there, do me thing, he's going to do his thing, and that's it. I don't hate him. I don't dislike him. He's a likeable character. I've got nothing bad to say about him. But it's unfortunate for Alexander that he's got to fight Tyson Fury in my era. A man who wears an earring in his ear can never beat Tyson Fury, ever. You understand that? Yes. Not a chance. No one who wears earrings can beat me. Um, I can explain what this is. It's Ukrainian warrior, Kozak. Це ті люди, які боронили мою країну багато років від ворога. Тут тільки підтвердження мого козацького роду. Вони нікому не програвали. Тут нема красоти чи моди. Hey, listen, in Ukraine, it means he's a good fighting man for him. But where I'm from, it means he's a veneering him. Um, that's just the way I cut it. No. I don't know what an earring's got to do with anything when these guys throw down on uh, on February, but as uh, you alluded to a moment or two ago, it's about mind games. It's about getting into the head of your opponent. Um, I don't think you can get into the head of Alexander Usyk. This man has been there, done it, got the T-shirt. He's uh, achieved an, an amazing amount in the game of boxing, whether it be amateur or professional. Uh, and he gets the opportunity to become a real all-time great. I actually think, looking at this fight, and I don't know where you're at with it, Alexander Usyk's legacy is solidified. I mean, he could obviously add to it. You become the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world in this era, you, you can absolutely add to it. But I think his, his, his legacy is absolutely solidified. I think there's more on the line for Tyson going into this fight because this is the fight that solidifies him as the person of this era. Because uh, there is a question. No, absolutely. You know, I think that the best have to box the best in a modern era to, you know, to cement legacies. And like you say, Alexander Usyk in many ways has sort of done that as the undisputed cruiserweight champion, stepping up, becoming unified world heavyweight champion, looking to become undisputed champion. I mean, you go back to 1999, you know, Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, that's the last undisputed champion. You know, How, that's when how they amazing boxed. is it that it is a former cruiserweight undisputed champion as well way back then. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we're here again. And there was big question marks over Evander Holyfield, wasn't there? Would mm. he be able to step up? Yes, he was a great cruiserweight, but would he be able to compete with the big guys? Mm. You know, with like Big Daddy Bo, you know, huge heavyweight at that time. And he had, mm. you know, an unbelievable trilogy with him. You know, he, he went, he goes down as an all-time great. Alexander Usyk is filling those shoes. Yeah. That is what he's doing. And I mean, Tyson Fury was a big favourite for me going into this contest before his last fight. And you can only go on last fights. And, yeah. he, and he put in a below-par performance. I don't expect that again, by the way. No. I expect to see something totally different. But it's an interesting fight. It really is. Oh, absolutely. It's a, fin- it's a fantastic it's a fight, fight. Because what you've got is two sensational technicians. Um, and the one has got size and, and reach over the other guy. And the other one's probably a little bit more mobile, given the state of play where we're at right now. Tyson Fury's changed his game a little bit. Since he stepped in with Wilder, he's changed his game a touch, hasn't he? And I think the more elusive, uh, the guy with the more lateral movement is Alexander Usyk. Can he stay away for 12 rounds? Well, and can he deliver what he needs to deliver? It's going to be a really fascinating fight in February. Well, listen, he'd done it against um, Anthony Joshua. You know, he'd moved for 12 rounds. And Joshua said, look, when we got to 10... He knew it was all quite level, he said, but then he just went up another gear. Mm. He, he said, that's what he does. He's got, his engine's incredible. So, 
I expect that he will be able to move like that. And it's all about Tyson Fury is the guy that's adapted his style because he was a guy that used to box on his back foot, moving around and whatnot. And as you get older, like Floyd Mayweather did, you know, they have to adapt and sort of like, because the legs do slow down a little bit, but great fighters can adapt mm. and they can adjust and still, be, you know, still box the way they, they, they do. Like Tyson Fury has changed over the last few years. It, like when he boxed Vladimir Klitschko, he boxed on the back foot. He won that title on the back foot. He out-hustled him. And now you see, you know, more recently against Deontay Wilder, he's a guy that likes to stand there, trade, sit in the pocket. So he does it all, you know. He does, you know, and that's, it's going to be exciting to see if he can wear Usyk down. Can Usyk stay away from him 12 rounds? A fascinating fight. Following that, live from Las Vegas, the one and only Johnny Fisher was on the show. He debuts in Las Vegas. This weekend, the Cosmopolitan will be hosting the Bosch Army. Johnny's been out in Vegas training for a short period of time, and we caught up with him on Saturday night. Right, like said, it's gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there. They're all living the devil may care. And I'm just Here a devil. Go. Let it ride. Let it ride. Let it ride. Viva there you go. Las Vegas. There you go. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. You can also watch us on the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel as our guests come in thick and fast tonight. Hopefully a lot of them are going to be uh, uh, FaceTime Zoomed so you'll be able to see them uh, as, they, uh, as they speak to you. Um, we're getting a few uh, bits of correspondence as well from people listening to the show. Are you going to be speaking about uh, Jonas versus Meyer last weekend? Yes, we are. We are going to talk about scorecards. Yes, we are. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of it, and we're going to be asking, where's the official publication of uh, the judges' scorecards uh, from last weekend? That's coming up a little bit later on the show, so do keep with us uh, and uh, keep your correspondence coming in on 03717 uh, The reason why we're playing Las Vegas music uh, is because our next guest is going to be... Well, he's in Las Vegas right now, and he's going to be fighting at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas uh, next weekend. Long gone are the days where he upsticks, went out there for a little bit of sparring, um, and now he's actually on a card fighting in Las Vegas. The dream, every fighter's dream as a, as a youngster growing up, isn't it, Spence? Absolutely. Listen, you only get out what you put in in this game, and Johnny Fisher is a grafter, you know, and, and, he, and he deserves to be where he's at right now, you know, 10-0, 9 KOs, exciting heavyweight, and, yeah, showcasing his skills over there in Vegas. It's every kid's dream, man. Johnny, welcome to the show, my man. How are you? Hello, Adam. Hello, uh, Spence. Great to speet you both again. How are you How going, you John? Yeah, good, good. Excellent. Listen, um, obviously out in Las Vegas, you've been out there for uh, a little bit of time. How has um, uh, the build-up towards next weekend uh, been for you? And the t listen, we know it's a, tempt a tempting city. We know you're incredibly well-disciplined. Have you managed to keep your dad away from uh, from the strip, mate, and the bright lights? Well, yeah, it's been great, mate. It's been great. My dad was over here for a week during camp, and he was he's always on it anyway. Um, there's no Chinese restaurants to note of, really, in Las Vegas, <laughs> so he's been quite well-behaved, but it's been good, mate. I've been training in Salastis Gym with the Cubans and adding a bit of that into the into the armory, and uh, Mark's here now, and Sonny's been here for a good few weeks as well. So my team's been with me, and uh, it's been a good experience to train away from home and add a little bit more to my game. Talk, talk about the journey, mate, because three years ago, um, obviously, working... Um, selling produce off the back of a van, and now you're fighting on a card in Las Vegas. 
Oh, it's unbelievable. I remember when I was out here the first time, it was I was at university finishing my finishing my degree during that time of COVID. It was all all a bit up in the air, and uh, it, it feels surreal. But I, I don't let it get. To, I don't think about it too much because I know on Saturday I've got to go in there and have a fight, and it would be the same as if I was fighting in England, if I was fighting somewhere York or Wembley Arena. It doesn't matter. It's still going to be a fight, and uh, yeah, I've just got to keep keep disciplined, as, as Spencer said to to my goal and to to what I've got to do, and that's to win. I mean, Johnny, explain to our listeners, mate, just what a big deal this is. Boxing out in Las Vegas is every kid's dream, you know. That's where we want to go. You know, when you're, you're a young kid and you're you're dreaming of becoming a boxer, it's not about even winning world titles. It's about boxing out in Las Vegas. And this is a big moment for you. Massive. It's a massive moment. And my, my supporters, and we, we spoke about it since since the beginning of my career when we're going to get an away day or, uh, <laughs> out in Vegas or, or somewhere abroad. And I'm bringing about 150 of my, my friends and family out Jeez. with me, so... They're all, they're all booked into the Plaza Hotel in Las Vegas, where I'm staying now. So we're going to have a great little, uh, great little army over there, and uh, I'm very, very grateful for that support because we've all spoke about it for a long, long time, and now it's time to to actually do it. I know that you were uh, obviously you you're behaving yourself for now. You can enjoy yourself once uh, once the fight's done next weekend. But uh, I'm led to believe that you were in uh, a Western bar or, or some type of rodeo bar last night where there was a yeah. mechanical bull in there. So the big question it is: was. Did the, the the Romford bull? Get on the mechanical bull, and how long did you stay well, on for it for, mate? I'm sure. I'm sure after the fight, I'll be getting on there. I haven't gone got on there yet, but I'm thinking about all the other boss soldiers and the bull army members. We've all got a lot of blokes over 25, 30 stones, and whether that bull can uh, stand up for the weight. Seeing Big John on that's going to be a sight to see as well. So I'm mate. excited. It's a good little Western bar. We just went there for a little bit of relaxation good. time, and uh, yeah, we're, we're we're on the game. Don't worry. You talk about the training. Obviously, you've been working with Ismail Salas. I know that you've been in the top-ranked gym as well. I know you've been using the facilities, uh, the PI, the UFC PI. Uh, talk to me yeah. about that change of environment, how inspiring that is to, like as you said, the top-class sparring that you're in and around with with the Cuban fighters. Yeah, I think it's been it's been great. And I do notice a difference. I've trained at home. I'm very comfortable where I train in, in Raynham, uh, in the Origin gym. And that's great to be comfortable and have a routine. But sometimes it's good to take yourself away from your comfort zone and be a little bit under pressure with new coaches and a slightly different style. And the sparring out here, I've sparred Michael Hunter. I sparred a, a guy called Ardy, who was who's a, in the Southern Southern African champion as well. And he was very tough. So they've got a little bit of a point to prove over here when the English bloke's coming over to mm. America. And it's a bit more of a of doghouse rules when it comes to sparring, which I, which is good. It gets me out of my comfort zone and uh, I'm excited to put all that all that good work to use. I mean, what's the roadmap now for Johnny Fisher? Like, over the next 12, 24 months, you know, like, you've built up a great record, 10-0, and 9 KOs. Yeah. Now you've gone to Vegas. Where are you going, Johnny? I mean, when are we going to see you, you know, in there fighting for titles, etc.? I mean, the British heavyweight scene at the moment is on fire and you're right in the mix. Yeah, it's great. It's great. We've got so many good young heavyweights coming through. We've got we've got people all, all down the levels. From, from top of the level, you look at Fury and Joshua and all the way down, we've got great names and... For me, it's always been the case with one fight at a time. I don't like to give that boring answer, but it is. But we've, we've got talks with, uh, I spoke to Eddie uh, in December time. We'd love to fight a headliner show in England at some point over the next few months, maybe the next one. Royal Albert Hall, that's what we've been talking about. And oh, uh, what a historic venue that is. And uh, I think that's next on the menu. But listen, I don't look beyond what I've got to do. I've got to do a job in Las Vegas, but that's what we're going to be coming back to, which would be great. The beautiful thing, listen, and this is obviously not for you to do. You've just got to go and take care of business. But for clowns like me in the in the media, we get to we get to create narratives and and, and look at um, yardsticks. So next weekend, obviously, you're taking on uh, Dimitri or uh, Bezus. 
Now, yes. we are obviously, as British fight fans, we're familiar with him because he's been in with David Adelaide. Um, yeah. That was his last fight. And obviously, up until that point, he was undefeated, going really, really well. He ran into Adelaide. So I'm anticipating uh, Bazouz to come, wanting to get back on the train next weekend and, uh, and and have a proper good go at you. But for yeah. for us, we look at that. That's a wonderful yardstick. And, and maybe a, the potential for us to start that narrative of these other British heavyweights, the likes of David Adelaide, Johnny Fisher to be matched up. We know that obviously there's this big matchroom Queensbury. You see, you see where I'm going here, Johnny, don't you? You see yeah, where I'm yeah, going. Yeah. There's this matchroom Queensbury thing coming up down the line. Maybe we end up getting that on that on that card. Who knows? Well, eventually I'm going to have to fight. If you want to get on and be be the best, you've got to fight everyone. So listen, if, if it's right, if it makes sense, I'll fight anyone on the day. So it's no issue for me. And uh, I'm in a position now. Yeah, as you said, I'm ten fights in. Maybe you get to an up to you get another five fights under your belt. You, you're open to absolutely anyone at any time. And if the price is right, of course, as a boxer, as a professional sportsman, um, any option will be available. So I'm in a position now where I'm, I'm confident. I'm growing. I've got a bit of experience under my belt. Still got a lot more to go, but. It's all it's all going in the right direction, you know. Yeah, it's always healthy, John, isn't it? When you've got other dance partners, and the British heavyweight scene right now mm. is good. You know, you got Wardley and Clark. I think they're talking about that fight happening for that British yeah. title. But you have put yourself right in that mix there, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great yardstick here to see. You know, going with this opponent who boxed David Adelaide and did, you know, Adelaide done the job in two rounds. But you don't try and beat that. You stick to what you're doing, right? You, you know, you've got your game plan. You go out there, and it's just about impressing. Yeah, listen, my style is always going to be exciting no matter what happens. So I'm not in the business of comparing myself to others under under no imagination. I know I'm going to deliver an exciting fight no matter what happens. And it's not about comparing to how other people have done the job. I've got to beat Dimitri Bezos, who's six foot seven. He's won 10 out of his 11 fights. He's got five knockouts. That's all I've got to worry about. And if I start thinking about, oh, how's this person done? Or how's, how's this person going to do against him? That's the wrong mindset. All I've got to do is put my hands on him and... Get him out of there. That's the plan. Johnny, I've got to ask you, mate. um, Do you get time after your fight to spend a bit of time out in Vegas with a Bull Army boss soldiers? Have you got any of that time? Yeah, definitely. Well, we've already said, me and Sonny, uh, my strength coach, we've seen a donut shop in the hotel. (laughs) We've about 24 donuts after this. I've got about 36 hours in Vegas. We leave the Sunday evening. The fight's at about 1 1 p.m., 2 p.m. Vegas time. So we've got about a good 36 hours to relax and chill out. In Vegas, there ain't going to be no week. relaxing, John. There ain't going to be no relaxing. It's all Not in. Not relaxing. <laughs> Letting our hair down. Let's That's put it that it. way. That, exactly that. Now, time for a little change of gear. Dr. Mark Prince, OBE, was in the studio with us on Saturday night. This is a man that has been there, done it, and got the T-shirt when it comes to light heavyweight boxing. He's also, right now, with his foundation, doing some amazing work on the knife crime pandemic. This conversation goes from there to boxing, to the mentalities of fighters, and also a little bit of a preview of Boazzi Aziz, which is coming up this weekend. The guests are coming in thick and fast, and it's always good to have someone in the studio, uh, especially who's uh, far better looking than either me or Spence, and far more knowledgeable as well. He is joining us very kindly in the studio. No, I'm telling the truth. Telling Do you know the what? Truth. The guy don't age, mate. Like, I've known him for the best part of 30 years now, and he just wow. does not age. It's crazy, Mark. It's crazy. Former uh, light heavyweight world title challenger. It is, uh, of course, uh, Dr. Mark Prince. OBE. Easy, my brother. Does does it ever get boring when people say OBE? No, it never gets boring. It's a beautiful thing. Absolutely beautiful because um, 
was such a treat for my mum. Um, he'd, he'd come over in Windrush times mm. and never kind of been around the palace. So working so hard, all the tourist areas never got to visit, putting a graft in like many in that generation. Um, just got to give a shout out to all those foundational generation folk out there, worked so hard to give us, you know, what we have today. Mm. Um, so big shout out to that generation. But... Um, you know, we're, we're, we're here doing our thing and it's just a pleasure to be able to gift my mum with that moment to see her kid come from being homeless, see her kid come from being in trouble, you know, getting into drugs, getting into crime and just, you know, disenfranchised young person until I found myself and I found boxing and I decided that I don't want the roads, I don't want criminal activity I don't want drugs I don't want alcohol I want a clean body I want to be a champion and just committed myself to that man and that was the beginning of of a long process you know before I got to meet just special guys like Spencer Oliver and uh, other guys in the boxing fraternity Mark when did that when did you realise that? Because I know, I know your story. I know mm. your backstory, and it's an yeah. incredible one, mate. It really yeah, is. Bro. I mean, what a roller coaster you've been on, and you mm. know you've come through with flying colours. But you know, wh- at what point did you recognise you was going down the wrong path? You know, you're coming, you've been brought up in Tottenham, and you're mixing with the wrong guys, and like you yeah. say, drink, drugs, and all yeah. of that. Yeah. And you changed your life. I mean, it's such an inspirational story. Tell yeah. us at what point that was, Mark. At what point? Really good question, Spence. Um, to, to give you a little backdrop, I believed that there was something special in me from from a young kid. I remember my books at school, I used to practice doing signatures on there, just believing that I was going to be, people was going to know me, like I'm going to be known. And I didn't know did, doing did you know what. Boxing? No. Didn't know, I had a clue what. People used to say to me, oh, your dad's a boxer, because my dad was a guy and he's champion, like heavyweight. It's like, you're going to box? And it was like, no, nah, I didn't even think about it. My dad just taught us how to fight because that's what you do. Mm. When you come over, you born, I, was, I was a 60s baby. So when you're born in the 60s, you know, you've got to be dealing with mud, skinheads and all of that. And you see all of, you know, the graffiti everywhere and you go places. So you know that you're going to have to back it. You're going to have to defend it. So <laughs> being able to fight was a gift from my dad to present to his boys. Mm. So when we were out, we could take care of ourselves. And it held me in good stead. I certainly needed to be able to fight, so I was a great street fighter, and people knew, you know, don't don't mess with Prince, man, because them Prince boys can back it out there on the roads. So we, we developed that, but the point where I knew that things were turning around for me and I realised um, that your question was, when did you realise that this wasn't something good for you? And it's really strange because it helped me to realise that the kids sometimes don't realise how detrimental it is, the life that they are living. Because I didn't quite get it. Because I was around those individuals and that was my world. It was a survival thing for us. So it was like we weren't trying to stab up anyone and hurt people. We just wanted to make money. So in my eyes, I didn't really think that I was hurting anyone. I just, I, I knew 
the things I had to do to get the money because you had to take but it was people's like the money norm. inside jobs. But it was what you done. Right. So I didn't think, oh, how's this guy going to feel when he goes home and, he, you know, he was he was mm. accosted and money to, you know, we we do inside jobs. So you go and get your wages and whatever and then somebody would intercede and the, the guy would let you know what time, blah, blah, blah. So there was a lot of that, a lot of fraud. We just hustled to be able to get through. So that's how we looked at it. We had to feed the kids. We had to pay the bills. So we done it whatever way we felt we needed to do it, right? With certain boundaries and limitations because there's certain things you wouldn't do, right? Um, and I realised at one point that, hold on a minute, I began to look in the mirror and ask myself questions. And, and after a night of drugs, uh, I said, I woke up, I missed the day. I woke up the next the night, the next night, and then I thought, is this the life that I'd planned to live? Like, is this what I dreamt as a kid? And I kind of caught myself, and then I said to myself, how are your kids going to feel when they get older and say, Dad, what do you do, Daddy, and stuff like that? And they were like, three and one, and Tanisha and Kai, and I thought, nah, nah, I'm not having it. Because the one thing I loved being was a dad, and the one thing I was so proud of was my children, and I did not want to let them down. So I thought, I'm going to change this for them because I can't tell them that they got to be a good kids and then I'm not being a good man. Mm. So I thought, that's my job. I'm going to change that, turn my life around, show them how to get and change their situation and believe in themselves because I had to do that because formally, for you to be doing that, it means you don't believe in yourself. What age was you then? I was 21, Spence. Wow. 21 years old. So you never laced up a pair of gloves until never. you was 21 years of never. age? Never. My dad just taught me how to lace up gloves with my brother and punch up my brother and, <laughs> and, 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 and get punched up by my brother and wow. spar with my dad and get punched up by my dad. So I was always in there with like my older brother or my dad with sparring partners. So that's what I knew for growing up, but that was only for fighting. You went on to achieve sensational things as a professional boxer, obviously challenging for a world title, WBO, yeah. light heavyweight world title, as I said. Yeah. I'm going to come back to boxing in a minute because you're yeah, talking please. about something, obviously, that's personal to you in your own personal life, something that you've mm, lived, yeah. of which is now, obviously, helping others in the with the foundation that you, that you set up in, in your son's name. For those yeah. that don't... Listen, everybody will know this story because I'm sure that people are across everything that you've done. But for yeah. those that don't, obviously... It, uh, a tragedy in your own life. You mm -hmm. mentioned your son there, Kayan. Yeah, and he sadly lost his life because of knife knife crime mm -hmm. in 2006. Yeah, and in the the wake of that, you've set up a foundation in his name yeah. in order to help young people mm -hmm. realize the consequences mm -hmm. of their actions, the consequences of the life that they mm -hmm. are choosing, as you've just alluded to there, yep, yep. in in order to help them change, make positive change going forward mm -hmm. and make better decisions going forward. Yeah. You just talked about your own experience mm -hmm. living that life. Yeah. How has it changed now? We're sat here in 2024. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How have attitudes of young people mm -hmm. changed? You just talked about limitations. Yeah. We're, we're, we're hearing about knife crime going up over the last 10 years. Over mm -hmm. 70% it is it has increased. Yeah. You just spoke about not stabbing people up, not mm -hmm. using a blade, mm -hmm. but it seems to be the norm now. Yeah. yeah. So how has it changed now for the young people that are out there? We didn't grow up with the way that violence in your face is being promoted and put out to you and the way everybody thinks they're a bad man. When we were growing up, 
there were good kids that got on with their work and they'd done this, they'd done that. There was the hierarchy. He's the toughest in the school. He's second. He's third. Don't mess with him. He's a good kid. He's a comedian. Everyone had their place. Now, when I talk to these kids, it's like the, the, the lamest, moistest you is trying to be a bad man out there. Like any kid is trying to fill their boots in this role of being a bad man. And how do you do that? You have a weapon. If you've got a weapon and you use it, now you're looked at as a bad man. What do you think mm. has, has taken them to that point? Why are they feeling like that? Look, we cannot turn away from all the influences and the changes of culture that's happened over the years, okay? So I used to look at the violence going on in America. I used to look at the trends, the cultures, the fashions, everything that was happening. And we used to talk amongst each other, my generation. Mm. And we used to say, boy, it's going to be peak when these, this next generation come up because it can only get worse, yeah. It was always kind of going there, you know. There was there was guys from our ends, the Lambies. There was certain man, Brett, and their man from Tottenham. There were certain things going on in areas, and you had those characters in every area, West London, South London. They, you know, there was names for every area, and everybody knew their guys. But what was happening as the youngers came up, our, their job was influencing the next generation. Mm. And they, they forgot that their job was to find out what they needed to do with their life because they were going to be example to the next generation coming up. So because our generation was busy partying, going out, messing around, a, a, a lot of them was not focused on what they needed to do to bring up their youths. So what you had was a next generation of youths that kind of was not focused on how our parents brought us up to focus on be having a great job. Um, maybe they might not have talked about being an entrepreneur because I didn't even know about that until later on in life, mm -hmm. but they could have learned that themselves because I learned that, wait, we could start our own business. Wait, we could do this and that. So the world gave us more options later on. Those are for our children to take up all these opportunities and chances. But what happened on the other side, you've got technology stepping up. So it gives the kids access to not only good stuff, but mm. bad stuff. Mm. And what happens when you're a kid growing up? You're drawn to the bad stuff. You're drawn to the bad guy. The girls are drawn to the bad boys because they get all the attention and, you know, they get the talked about the more. So girls are drawn that direction. The boys are drawn in that direction. So it's almost like we've got something innate in us that draws us more to negativity than it does to positivity. Mm. And when society, when society promotes it in films, in music. Now we're topping up the cake and putting icing on it and making it look pretty and making it look all right. Mm. So of course it's in the children because they become desensitized to what time it is and what's going on and the real damage of serious youth violence. But, yeah. but we live in a world of opportunity now, you know, like that, that as years have gone on, there's more opportunity for these kids. And so, Mark, I know you're across all this data and I know that yeah. you you have got it got it down to a T. Yeah. But I'm just saying, how has it come to what it has come to now where the kids don't care no more about stabbing someone or yeah. shooting someone and yeah. they're quite happy to go away for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I mean, how has it come to that when you know, time has moved on and, and there is more opportunity there, yet they chose that path. I mean, to me, it's just insane and I can't, I can't get over it. Look, um, 
the things, the qualities of life aren't promoted enough. What's promoted is money, 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 cars, girls, um, how the girl's supposed to look, just all superficial stuff. Nothing's deep. Nothing's as you know, you know, you know, like treasured. You know, nothing's of of worthy of 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 value mm-hmm. is is really promoted and looked at, so kids can look up to it. You know, everyone wants to get it today, now, quick. So you you got Big Brother. All of a sudden, you got all these. Um, TV stuff where you can be famous overnight. You go in as you meet couples. Next minute, your 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 followers have gone up to a million. Everyone's talking about you. So no one wants to utilize talent, potential, work at it. You know the success formula that's developed great individuals over the years. That's made us remember them, talk about them, write about them in books. Now you ain't got that. You ain't got the Arlies. You ain't got the Malcolm X's. You ain't got the Martin Luthers. You ain't got the people that have really, you know, put their life on the line because of integrity or because of beliefs that they have. We don't have that. The only thing I hear when I talk to youths, what do you want? Trust me. Tell me what they tell me, bro. Tell me what they say. What's their answer? I want to be rich. I want, thank you, bro. I want money. At the school of you, only on Thursday and I said bro it's okay that you want money but if you don't understand how the market works then you wanting money could leave you open to any old deal that somebody presents to you hey kid is a 50 pound, is a 150. Hold that, just take that package over there for me. Why? Because your mindset says, I want money. Mm. So as soon as you get offered a deal for some money, you're going to take it. Now, if they could change that to not I want money, but I want to be someone. I want to change the world. I want to be an inventor. I want to bring value to society. I want to do something great. Now, as a reward of having uh, something that you want to become, you now get that money. So they don't understand how it works. They just think saying I want money is going to bring them money. They don't understand how the process of success works, bro. And that's our job. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. Because it works. And they're talking about, oh, what's the solution? Well, we've been hitting the solution for the longest, brother. I've been on the grind for, what, 16, 17 years now. You know, registered charity from 2008. You know, this is serious business I'm on. Why? Because I've seen lives change. I've got a kid on board my charity who, when I first met him, he was a refugee, bro. His mate at school got killed in front of him. And the school called me in because they were having the the classroom that was there that witnessed the killing just going off their rockers. We're dealing with a lot of mental health here. People aren't taking this into consideration. Our kids have got mental health issues. There's stress, anxiety, worry, fear. You think these guys are bad men? What bad men? They're scared little boys. If If you ain't scared, why do you need 20 men to roll out with? I used to roll out on my ones. I go any area and I still roll out now. It don't matter to me. There's no fear factor in me. These kids are fearful. They've locked off themselves in little prisons. Their mindset, how they think, this is my area, this is my area. They think they've got something. You've got nothing. You've created nothing. And what you think is something isn't anything. It's the government's. Your postcode isn't your ends. 
that was there before you, that'll be there when you're gone. All of this is common sense. I'm not talking anything clever and smart, but it shows where their mindset is for them to buy into these stories. And you ask yourself why? Because they need a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. They need a and if you're getting brought up with that sense of belonging, and if you're being in a society where everybody frowns upon these things, violent behavior, people without integrity, and, and they value being successful in the plan and working towards it, then all of a sudden kids will fall into line with that because they'll see, oh, this is how society is around me. I can't kind of create some different sort of blueprint for life, but they're not seeing that. Mm -hmm. So that we can't blame them. Where did they see this? They didn't make it up. They didn't make up all this violence. They didn't make up all this stuff. They've seen it and it's been okay. So they perpetuate everything that they're seeing. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Regarding everything that you've just said about... Mm. Uh, the situation with young people, yeah. the work that you're doing through uh, your son's foundation. Mm -hmm. um, you're now uh, at that stage where you're ready to start getting back involved in boxing. Obviously, yeah. you had a, a great prof uh, professional career yourself. Yeah. You've yeah. been away doing your work, but now it's a, a time to get back in. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you want to add value? Mm -hmm. So it's strange because I was just sharing with Spence that if I hadn't come back at the age of 43 to 47 mm. and trying to get my um, British Board of Boxing control license back so I could fight with Sky Sports, Frank was ready to promote me and everything was set up. It was just to get my license. If I, if I, had, if I hadn't gone through that process and had those four fights, four victories, three knockouts and went 10 rounds with, with one of them, then I probably wouldn't be here today. Mm. So me and Spencer were saying, was that a waste of time? No, it wasn't. Because getting back in really helped me to find myself. Imagine 
you're grieving. For those that don't know, just a quick one. That yeah. You had about a 12, 13-year hiatus, didn't you? 99. 13 years out. Right, so from 99 through out. to about 2013, was yes, it? Something like yes, that. Yes, 100%. Right. So 2000 was the injury. Yeah. And mm. they said, the consultant said, you can't fight again. 2013, I woke up and said, hold on a minute. You said I can't fight again. I didn't make that decision. <laughs> What yeah. the hell was I thinking for 13 years <laughs> to let someone else tell me what I should do? Yeah. Crazy. So listeners out there, maybe there's something going on in your life that you've kind of just let go because you've heard all this negative talk of what you can or can't do. Set your own bar, set your own standards. So when I'd done that in 2013, I, I realised that there was a lot in me left. We had some great fun at the gym, sparring with fighters. You know, Nathan Cleverly was still mm. around at the time and... Don Charles Jim and you know I, I kind of got back in the mix and it was good because I was back in with the current fighters that were around at the time I was back in going to fight shows and it was just a beautiful thing um, but growing from there what I've managed to do is been so busy developing programs how, how can I get through to these kids and understanding that field and that system so I have to create things to go through the hoops you know all the councils and yeah. all the schools and all the stuff I got you got to produce products so I had to create products so I've learned a lot on the way I've upskilled myself I've become a certified life coach now I've got strategies and, and ways how to help people in all various areas time management management, business, you know, with sacrificing, just learning how to perform better and, and perform at your highest level. So I know how to develop people and help them in that stage. So if you mix all this skill set that I've learned as, as a life coach and you mix all my experience as a fighter, mm -hmm. being in the ring at the highest level, now you've got quite someone quite special on your team because I know what how the fighter's mindset's like. And I know how to develop you. So when you go in that ring, you're performing at your best. And here's what I know is the issue. And a lot of people don't understand this. They watch fighters go into the ring and they think, yeah, come on, smash him. But the fighters don't tell you the build-up to the fight. The fighters don't tell you their personal problems. The fighters don't tell you what's going on in their mind. They go to a press conference and they've got to give it the large. And they believe in it. They're doing all they're doing. They're not fake. Mm. But what I'm saying, there are things that they're not saying. They're sometimes. not saying it because they don't know. That's the point. And that's 100%, where you're going. 100%. Yeah? Because there's things I didn't realise. I didn't know that getting all loved up in one of my biggest fights of my career and not focusing on the fight and not on this woman that I was going to you know, be my wife soon in 1998 and I got a world title. When you got a world title fight and you've worked your way through how many years of hard graft from nothing mate you better keep your mind on the fight <laughs> you better not see seeing no one doing nothing you've climbed the mountain and then you're going to be looking around already you're at the top you need to finish off the roll stick the flag in boom that's me but i started looking around before i stuck the flag in right and you're looking in the future now nah, my job is to help fighters 
to keep their mind focused so they can perform at their best. Help them to process the issues and things going on in their life so these guys can go out there and add another 10, 20% to their performance because I know that it's our thoughts Mm -hmm. that create our feelings and I know it's our feelings that lead to how we act and I know that it's our actions that give us our results. We inevitably, our mind is so powerful that that is the point of our life that's in charge of the results and the quality of life that we're getting. Fighters get what's going on in their mind. They don't get belts just because they train hard in the gym. When there's two professionals at the top of their game, what separates the two? The penultimate penultimate rounds, 9, 10, 11, 12, they're the rounds where it becomes a psychological battle. It's not about the physicalities. I get it. I understand it. Thank you. Listen, if you want to hire him, uh, give us a ring right now. He's he's hot right now because uh, I reckon there's going to be some people wanting you you to be working with him. Bro, the minute I, I produce the goods with a fighter... Fighters are going to come and realise, you know Mate, what? This is the value that he's bringing. I'm inspired. I'm, I'm hiring him. Um, I'm, I'm coming back. Listen, we, we, <laughs> we, we only asked you to come for half. Can you stay for another, at least another 15 bro, minutes? Because I, wa- I want to get your take on next weekend's light heavyweight bro, fight. Bro, is that right? I love that, mate. Next weekend, we have got, in, in all essence, a bit of a battle of Britain, mm-hmm. especially a battle of uh, certain areas of London as well. Two, <clears> yeah, two sure. lads who used to be pals, sparring partners and what have you, yeah. going at it for a bit of bragging rights and to propel themselves forward for yeah. world title honours. Yeah. We've got Joshua Boazzi taking on Dan Aziz. Mm-hmm. Now, first and foremost, the British light heavyweight scene is red hot right now. Yes. Who do you like in this mix? Who do you look at and you think to yourself, do you know something, you could do a bit, mate, you can go all the way. Okay, let me just check this. I like um, I like Craig, R- Craig, Craig Richards. Richards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's very competitive, a smart fighter, a big heart. Look at the fight he gave to Josh. Mm-hmm. He also had a world title fight as with well. With Bivol, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you don't go into the ring with guys like that mm. and still back it and represent, and you're not the real deal. Um, Craig's the real deal and will give anyone at top level a great fight. Um, I also, I was a Boatsy fan the minute I saw him. I said, this guy's going places. I love this style. Um, I just love this swag as a fighter. It's like, yeah, boy, we got a tasty one coming through here. Um, and then he kind of had some hiccups. Yeah. And I wasn't seeing him as much as I would have liked to. And I remembered how my career kind of went a little bit like that. And I thought, hmm, that's not a good sign. You go from five, six fights for the year mm. and you, it starts reducing down to two and one. Mm. Uh, Houston, we, mm. we have a problem. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I felt that that's going to take some of his groove away because as a prospect you need to get in your groove and I was sharing this the other day Mm -hmm. with with Spence when he was um, working with Sky that as a fighter coming up you want to be regularly fighting to still feel the vibes of the last victory that you just had you don't want it to start being a distant memory Mm -hmm. you want to feel what you had before like you could still feel like I used to go in the gym and it was like I was still 
in my fight. I could picture everything just like I was fighting. The further I went away from that fight, one month, two months, mm. three months, four months, it kind of started, it felt like I had to start again a mm-hmm. little bit. And the further it went mm-hmm. away, the furthest I've been away was 14 months out. My gosh, you, 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 you kind of got to build up that mindset again. There's more adrenaline pumping. And I don't know, maybe it's just me. I don't know. No, maybe other fighters. Like, no, absolutely. Listen, inactivity, like... Boxing is steeped in history with fighters that have been inactive mm. that don't get the results or they don't put in the performances. 100%. Let's use Anthony Joshua as a prime example. <clears throat> you know, you go back to 2020, he had one fight. 2022, he had it's one good, fight. Good point. You good know, point, yeah. and then you see him bang 2023. He, he bangs three fights in. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. see the first fight that he goes against Jermaine Franklin. You look at it and you go, not a great performance, that. Mm-hmm. Spoke to him after the fight. Says, "What's going on?" He said, "Well, I didn't. I haven't got the confidence in my own ability because of my inactivity." He says, "So I'm mm-hmm. ready to go phase one, but I can't go phase two because mm-hmm. I'm not believing in myself." Mm-hmm. He said, "Because I'm inactive." Mm-hmm. So then he goes in against Otto Wallin, and we see it again. First three look good. At, yeah, but he goes one round. Okay, he's not doing anything. Come on, Josh, start going. No, you're, you're thinking Hellenius now. Round two. Oh, sorry, Hellenius. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hellenius, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Round two. Come on, Josh, start letting him go. Round three. Now you're starting to get frustrated a little bit because mm-hmm. you can see that he's trying, but he's mm-hmm. not getting on for the shots. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, boom, round seven comes. He lets the right hand go, but for the first time, he's not holding his feet. He steps in and he closes the gap and lets the shot go. Now that's installed that confidence that... He's got that showreel knockout that he needs. So now he's had the rounds against Franklin. He's had the showreel knockout. Then we come up against Otto Wallin. That's amazing. Uh, that many people felt that Otto Wallin would give him all the problems. We saw what he'd done to Tyson Fury. Yeah. A lot of people thought Otto Wallin might beat Joshua. Joshua's not in the right headspace. You know, we haven't seen any performances from him. But because he's been active, that's where I'm going with this, Mark, mm. because of the activity, mm. he went out there and it's the first time in years... I've seen Anthony Joshua throwing punches in bunches and that's when he's destructive because mm. he's explosive. But single shots, boxers see that. They catch a single shot. They'll catch a single shot. It's when you let them go, for, you know, mm. one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, Boom. phase one, phase two. Boom. And that's what we saw with Joshua there. And on that performance, you look at it and go, he's a problem for any heavyweight in their world right now. Mm. And he's got people talking again. People mm. written him off. And that was a beautiful thing to see there because... When you look at what that guy's achieved, two-time world heavyweight champion, Olympic gold medal, world silver uh, medal, and all that, I know it's come just from the mindset. Not, come from the place you come from, from the streets, from drinking drugs. You know that inspirational story that he had, the journey from an eighteen-year-old kid to achieve what he's done, yeah. and the millions of kids that he's inspired. He's never been given the recognition for it. He doesn't get the recognition that he should do. Do you know what I, I think, think he gonna, does? Well, he's going to get it I now. I think he does get the, listen, no, the I think it. Listen, kids love him. Yeah, yeah, but the I think British public love him. Yeah, trust me, it's where you want to focus. I think a part of this process for AJ is that sometimes he focuses on the negatives and what's mm. who's criticizing him. And and if if I was coaching him, I'd say, listen, this is this world is fifty fifty. Mm, yeah. This human experience is fifty fifty. Focus on all the people that love you and and. Up all that energy and let that take you through because they love AJ Mark, out there. Mark, I, t- I told him, I said to him, Listen, AJ, what you got to do here is I said, Don't let all this negativity affect your Attach mind because that's what it's done. I said, Feed off it because why they're talking about you means that you're doing something, it means that yeah. you know what I mean. So, yeah. feed off that and go and 100%. prove them wrong. 
And I think that you, that's what he's you done. You need that. Mm. How can you have the fans that are all loving you and not having haters? Mm. How can you have the sun with yeah. Melly shit to land on me? <laughs> um, on this fight next weekend, just yeah. before we let you get on with the rest of your evening, yeah. how do you see it playing out? Um, wow, we've gone over this time and time again, Bawatsi Aziz. Here's what I think Aziz needs to do. Um, Aziz needs to come into this fight with the, in the mental space that I am the man. You're not the man, Bawatsi. I am. And this is my night to shine. I'm going to box and I'm going to fight better than I ever have because I'm in front of you and I used to spar with you and you used to punch out my face most of the time, 70, 80% of the time. Now we got 10 ounces. Now I've got three titles. I'm going to show you how I've grown. I'm going to stay on your ass. I'm going to keep putting punches in bunches on you. My defense is nice and tight and I'm disciplined. I'm going to stay in the pocket. So you have to punch and I'm going to watch everything. I'm going to read your timing. I'm going to take it away from you. If he does that, and, and, and Bawatsi starts seeing that in the first three rounds, his brain's going to say, oh boy, stations, we're going to be at some, it's like the fire alarm's going off, and it's like all at the station. And he's going to be thinking in his mind, this is going to be a hard, tough night. That's the mind space Dan needs to put Bawatsi in. And Bawatsi has to come into this fight and believe that all this talk and all this stuff about me being the golden boy, I'm going to show you why. This is my night, but he's going to have to fight like a warrior for this. Who wins it, mate? Who wins? Wow. So I came into this. you got this. a kid that's developed okay. on the road like yes. Aziz and yes. Boatsy was, was the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Has Dan come to his limit? Has he come to the place where he grows no further? Because we know there's levels to boxing mm -hmm. and we've seen him kind of been taking out guys and we thought they're going to give him a lot more trouble and Dan deals with them. How long does that continue for every time he goes through? So, so I'm thinking give about me, give that. Give me a winner. Give me a winner. Wow. I keep swinging on this, but but my 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 intelligence, my brain, says to me that Joshua Buatsi is gonna come out with the victory. Wow! Well, listen, but don't that, forget, don't forget, it's live on Talksport next week, next Saturday, and this fight, exciting. this fight is insane. It's Tune a real in. fifty-fifty. The beautiful thing about it, yeah, because you were so on the fence and on the side yeah. and trying to pick it, yeah. that just shows you how good of a fight uh, it is. It's a bro. sensation. Trust me, no one should be missing that. No, it's got to be a cracker. Make yeah. sure you come and join us next week. Beautiful. Listen, thank you so much for coming oh, in. Oh, man, thank you Hope guys. Hope you've enjoyed man. it. We've, we've oh. absolutely loved it.
Mate, this is going to be a regular thing. I love being here so much. If you guys don't invite me back, you're going to see me at home depressed, crying. <laughs> oh, the moment I'm too right. small. We're going to make this once every four and every six weeks, something like that. That's please, please, do, listeners, listeners. We're going to make it happen. Email them. Tell them how much. <laughs> if you love me being on the show, let them know. Please, it's guys. It's brilliant. Every single time that man's on the show, I leave far more educated. A privilege to have him on. And hopefully, you'll hear him on TalkSport throughout the course of the week as we build up towards the Watsi Should be a cracking fight, which is available for you at 9pm on TalkSport this Saturday night coming. Make sure you tune in. Uh, now, on with the guests. There's been a lot of back and forth between Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall recently. The noise is getting louder. Are they going to make that fight? Well, Jack Catterall and his manager, Sam Jones, joined us on the show on Saturday to discuss. Jack, I'll come to you first. How are you, mate? You good? Yep, very good, thank you. Very hey, good. Jack. How you doing, mate? All good, all good, top man. How was um, the... Was it warm weather training or was it family holiday in the, in the Middle East? It was a bit of both. Uh, we was out there... Uh, we had a bit of cold weather at home, so a couple of us, Jamie, a couple of lads and girls in the gym, we went out there for a week or two. A uh, bit of training, bit of chilling. Uh, yeah. and we're back now, uh, all systems go. Bit of life, but what can't be that life. What's um, what's happening, Jack? Where where are we at, mate? Like, you know, is it on, is it off? Or is it Saudi, is it England? I mean, what's the news? You know what? It's uh, it's been it's been ongoing for some, for some time now, last couple of months. It's been frustrating, but I'm confident now we're in a position where hopefully over the next week we can we can get something announced. Uh, I've put all my faith and trust into Sam, and he's been doing a great job, uh, and I'm doing what I can do. I'm in the gym preparing. Hmm. Uh, from what I'm hearing, Taylor wants to fight. His team wants to fight. Uh, we're in the same position, so I don't think we're too far away from an announcement. Cool. Uh, well, he was on our show last week. We were in Liverpool with him. He said exactly what you've just said there, that he does... Uh, want that fight. Let's bring uh, your manager in, Sam. Sam, how are you? You good? Yeah, all good. How are you guys? Hey, Sam, how's things, mate? Very well. Now, listen, obviously, you're at the uh, the coalface here uh, making this deal and trying to get this fight over the line, uh, the rematch between, uh, obviously, Jack uh, and Josh Taylor. What is the current state of play? <laughs> it's been uh, excruciating, if I'm honest with you, Adam. It's been... Uh, a few months now with um of going backwards and forwards and there's been a lot of it could be happening it could might not but the bottom line is i i i'm i'm working quite closely to with josh's lawyer um tom grant who um he he wants to fight look josh has instructed his lawyer uh, tom that he wants to fight jack most definitely wants to fight and we're getting somewhere now, uh, Adam. We are getting somewhere. We're, make, we're making progress, and hopefully, what's been the problem? What's been the problem? Because it seems, to, from a fan point of view, obviously, people that are not involved in the conversations, it seems a bit of a no-brainer. It seems quite straightforward yeah. to be able to do. So, what's yeah. been the problem? Look, Jack's obviously. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so hard to kind of explain and, and put into put into terms. But look, in, in a nutshell, is it that the numbers don't stack up? Because that's where that's, that's where yeah. I'm sort of seeing those it. Those words have been sending me crazy, Spencer. If I'm mm. perfectly honest with you, uh, hearing are oh, the numbers that say in yeah. But in, I'm, what I'm saying we, is both guys have got, got a value, right? Both guys sure, have got a value sure. for sure. The fight's got a value, and listen, it's not like downplaying Josh because. 
like what I always say, and I always give Josh props. Jack won't because they don't like each other, but, and I know Josh doesn't like me, but Josh Taylor is a former undisputed champion mm-hmm. and he deserves respect. And he deserves paying with respect. But obviously he has to come down a little bit on price because he's coming off the back of, well, one defeat, but really two defeats. Um, but listen, the both boys want to get paid. And we've had a, we had a small talk about the fight going to the Middle East. And listen, I'm not against any fight going to the Middle East, but I just think this specific fight, mm-hmm. this specific fight needs to be in front of, um, in front of the UK fans. That's my opinion, my mm. opinion of the fight. And Jack and Josh mm. were, pre- well, well, definitely Jack were prepared to take a dip in cut for that to, to happen. Um, obviously, the zone don't, they don't see it as a pay-per-view fight. And I believe that on any other network, it probably is. It's, yeah, listen, the card, Jack is, um, Jack's coming off off two very good wins. Josh is saying he's, he's, he's not in the best of form at the moment, we say, but you, if you can tell me, a more realistic fight to be made. Like now, like you look at Eubank, Ben, we don't know if that fight's going to happen. They're going to have to, Kell Brook's going to have to take his slippers off and he's going to come after fight. But I'm talking about British grudge match where I'm not just exaggerating here. The boys don't like each other. Mm -hmm. They really, really don't like each other. The build-up's going to be fantastic. And in this fight, I genuinely believe you're going to get a conclusive winner Mm. inside the distance. And I genuinely believe Jack's going to stop him. I heard your interview the other week, Spencer, saying that... uh, Oh, Josh is gonna gonna beat Jack. But listen, it's it's every it's an mm-hmm. it's opinions that matter. Absolutely. It's opinions that matter. And everyone's entitled to opinion. And I'm happy you've got that opinion. Because when Jack does stop him, everyone's gonna give Jack his props. And I I don't want to ramble on too much about it, but I don't want Josh Taylor's career to be based on the fact that someone who's won all those belts, this is me speaking on behalf of Josh Taylor as well. I'm doing him a favor putting this fight together. Because he doesn't want to walk down the street. And people say, oh, fight Jack Catchell. He got robbed. He doesn't deserve that. And Jack Catchell doesn't deserve to be going, walking, doing his, doing his, running his daily errands and being told, you got robbed. But, the but, fight needs to happen. But the way, the, brilliant the way Jack won that last fight, nine of the 12 rounds, the fight has to happen again, though, from, doesn't it, from Josh Taylor's point of view? Because, has you to. know, it was so conclusive, the first one, in Jack Catchell's favour... That Josh has to go over old ground. Yeah, but he said that on the show with us last week. Yeah. Didn't he? Josh yeah, said he, that. He, Josh, he, Josh, he, to his cre- Josh, to his credit, last week in Liverpool said all the things that you're saying, Sam. So he's on board. One question I've got for uh, yourself and Jack in particular: um, Josh has spoken about moving up from 140. Obviously, you're mm-hmm. at 140, Jack. What is the situation regarding weight of this particular fight? You know, for me, uh, he's talked about going up before he fought Lopez. Uh, and I spoke to Sam and I said, look, I'm comfortable fighting him, whether it's at a catch weight. Even at 147, it doesn't matter to me. It's, uh, it become quite personal over the last year and it's, and I'm happy to get it on. It doesn't matter mm. the weight. I believe Josh has now said he wants to fight at 140, which is fine. Uh, we proposed even to meet at a catch weight. So uh, for me, it's just about getting the fight done. And location? I know that, obviously, Sam's just alluded to the fact that wanting to do it in the UK. Josh said the exact same thing last week. Um, the original one was obviously uh, in Scotland. Would you go back up there? You know what? It's not It's not ideal. Uh, and I, I believe I kind of earned my right to say we don't have to go back to Scotland. I think we should meet in a neutral venue. Uh, that's still to be decided. But mm-hmm. uh, pick a venue, anything outside of the Hydro, and I'm happy to, to be there. Is Saudi Arabia still in the running? Sam, 
<laughs> Spence, Spencer, I want the like what I said there. Yeah, I would love, I would love Jack to fight in Saudi Arabia. As anybody mm. would, Jack wants to fight. But this p- particular fight, I believe, deserves to be staged in the in whilst all these big fights are taking place in 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 Saudi Arabia. I believe this fight. The British boxing fans deserve it, and they deserve it in 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 the UK, and that is the main reason why I, 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 I'm working literally round the clock to try and get this done. I'm not joking. Mm. I've been I've been in boxing nearly ten years. This is the hardest I've ever pushed and, and worked for a fight to happen, and I, I'm confident we're going to get it done. Um, I, I'm, I'm honestly, and it's going to be like a fantastic event. It's going to be a great build up. It's going to be spiteful, nasty. It's going to have everything we all love as fans involved in this fight and when it comes to the weight um we can't give away too much but like we we've been jack's very very easy like to work with like he's he's almost like too easy he said to jack, i literally came off the phone i'll give you a, a example i was on the phone call today and jack said josh can anywhere in england josh can pick the venue he can handpick the venue where we go and we'll see you there on that on the specific date just listen it's all good to hear and hopefully we're all going in the right direction of getting this fight on because it, it makes an awful lot of sense for the fans I just want to talk about you and your career now uh, Jack and obviously Sam yep. um, who's managing that going forward I felt that you were, in the aftermath of the uh, the Taylor fight I thought that you were harshly dealt with by all the sanctioning bodies obviously you were highly ranked with the WBO and I know that, that was for the undisputed championship so I expected given the way that that fight played out that you would be propelled straight back in eliminators or whatever it may be and you, you you seem to be mugged off a little bit by uh, those sanctioning bodies you've been you've you've been presented recently with an opportunity to fight an eliminator going down the IBF route both of you if you could just talk to us about why that is not going to come to fruition and why we're going down this uh, route with uh, with Josh instead you know what it is adam uh, this fight that we've just been talking about that we've been working on for for some months now, over the last couple of weeks, we've made progress. It's a fight that both me and Josh want want to happen, want to make. Uh, and that fight uh, took precedence for me. It's it's more personal. It's a big fight. It's a big domestic fight. And mm. of course, I want to be world champion and challenge for the world titles. But for me, I'm sick of getting up and going to the gym and, like Sam said, going about my daily errands and, and being asked about this fight. And when I found out there was a chance of it getting made, uh, I've instructed Sam and my promotional team to push and make this fight happen. That's Brilliant. fair. That's fair. Brilliant. And, and with, with all due... Listen, I know that obviously a fight with Richardson Hitchens would have propelled and made you the IBF number one, but nobody knows when that would be called. A fight with Josh Taylor, uh, a conclusive victory over the guy that was absolutely the guy at 140, puts you in the mix with a conversation for the likes of the Tiafimo Lopez's, the Devin Haney's, those types of characters uh, mm. going forward. Um, listen... I know that uh, obviously Sam's in charge of uh, the the negotiations. I hope it comes to fruition because I think a lot of fight fans are actually invested in this, as uh, Sam alluded to a month or two ago regarding the grudge uh, match between the pair of you. Uh, Josh was speaking that he wanted it last week. Mm. You're speaking like you wanted it uh, this week. Um, Have you got an ideal date of when you would like to get this done? Are we we talking pre-summer? Jack, yeah, said, Jack said, in the garden, uh, in the garden tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he, he definitely deserves that opportunity, mate, without a doubt, after that last contest. So, look, let's hope we see that fight again. Um, yeah, we really look forward to that. Spence, Adam, thank you. Listen, top man, thank you very much for being on the programme. Sam, thank you very much for your time as well, my man. Nice one, guys. Cheers, Take guys. Care. Appreciate you.
Um, listen, it's a fight that every fight fight. As, as Sam alluded to there, you know, you've got the narrative. Controversy always uh, brings cash. Hopefully the fans come out, they buy a ticket. Yeah. Um, and uh, these boys do get rep- recompensed well. We want all fighters to get recompensed well. But more importantly, we want that fight uh, to take place. Mm. Two fantastic fighters. Oh, absolutely. Listen, it's been nearly two years in the making this rematch now. You know, you felt that that should have happened within the six months, really. You know, Jack Cattrall deserved that, if I'm totally honest. And both guys, you know, went sort of different directions. And let's hope that he gets that opportunity. Be interesting to see where that fight lands, actually, because I was speaking to Simon Jordan about that. And he said that he's got inside information, like the guy said there, that, that um, Josh Taylor will make 140. And I said... I think he's outgrown 140. Do you think? I think he's I think outgrown 140. I really do. I think that he's just too big for 140 for me. Maybe. I think that... Uh, that It'll be interesting that, to that see that if he does go, do it. Because would, on the scale, That would go heavily in Cattrall's favour at 140. But, I think any, anything above that, mm. you start, like I said to you, like, that's why I'm saying, look, he knows what it is now, Taylor, and you go, I think the, the higher the weight, the more advantage that is for Josh Taylor, definitely. I think at 140, then, you know, it's sort of like a different fight for me. Let's hope they can make that happen. Now, one thing that definitely is happening is Matchroom are going to Sheffield in March and they're bringing an awful amount of local talent. And I've got two of them coming up for you right now. One of which being Sheffield boy himself, Dalton Smith. He's stepping up to take on Jose Zapeda. What a challenge this is. Dalton joined us on Saturday night to discuss. Yeah, big opportunity and... You know, a bit, especially for this next fight, that's what I was asking for. And, mm. you know, I think it's the perfect fight for me at this stage of my career. Dolan, Dolan, I don't know about you, right? When when they announced this, genuinely, it made me feel like when uh, Josh Taylor had the Victor Postol fight announced, right? Great shout. He was coming through, what, 12, 13 fights, great amateur pedigree. Everybody was like, right, he's going to be the guy, he's going to be the guy. Mm. But the step up was just at, at that time. I remember pre fight, I was thinking, whoa, that might be a little bit too much. And this feels like yeah. that. We know your pedigree, mate. We know what you're all, all about. You've needed this fight maybe for the last six to 12 months, haven't you? In order to go, right, I'm here now. Because once you come through this, and you, and fingers crossed, you come through it with flying colours, there is no going back. It's world level then going forward. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, especially winning the British outright, you know, I was I was in the domestic scene for, you know, I think I think it was about a year mm. it took me to get the British title. So, you know, moving on now, that's what I want to be chasing next, getting my name up there with the, you know, the, the best in, in the 140 division. And, you know, I think this is a perfect fight for that and a, a fight I'm, you know, confident I'll come through with flying colours. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Sabida's he's been there, seen it, done it, hasn't he? He's mixed at the highest level, lost in eleven rounds to Regis Progre, who's one of the best in the pound for pound in that division. So this really is Dalton a coming of age fight for you right now, isn't it? Because Sabida, Sabida, sorry, is a difficult test, mate. And if you Adam said there, just to echo what he said, you come through that. And you're knocking on the door for a world title. I mean, that's a huge jump up. Like you say, you've just won the Longsdale belt outright, which is, a you know, every fighter's dream. They want that. And then you've just kicked on. And, um, yeah, huge jump up. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a jump up. And, you know, Zapida's been there, been in with some of the best names. And, you know, he's only, he's only lost at, you know, world level. So, you know, I can't take him lightly. I know he's going to be the, the hardest fight of my career.
What um, what challenges does he bring you, mate? What, when, when you watch him, obviously last time out we saw him against Richardson, Hitchens just coming short in that fight, but as Spence says, he's been up in with the big boys, and he's still, with all due respect, he's, he's still only 34. Mm. You know, he, he, he's, it's, a, it's a fantastic piece of matchmaking. What challenges do you see in him bringing uh, to you in this fight? You know, I think we'll we'll have to find. You know, I'm not sure myself, but you know, we're soon gonna find out. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't give me no problems, and you know, that's the way we want it. But you know, moving through through the rankings now and trying to get myself up to those, you know, the world level. These are the fights I need to be taking, and yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm I'm confident in my ability. These are the guys. You know, when my team looked and was like, right, where are we going? These were the guys we was looking at. You know, so we we wasn't looking at no easy fights. You know, I'm confident in my ability where I'm gonna get, and you know, let's be truthful. If I want to be the number one boy in, one, in the 140 division, I'm gonna be taking care of these guys. Yeah. You, you and your team have got a lot of confidence in your own ability because, like you say, you've just won that Longsdale belt outright. And a normal step then would be going to European level and then up to world level. But you sort of skipped that. You've gone straight into the world level. You feel that you're ready right now, Dalton. Yeah, you feel like this is the time. Because, you know, with boxers, it's all about development and just getting them, you know, ready for that big stage. And it's, you know, different fighters progress at different times. But for you, you go British title and then you go, well, the obvious step really would be European. But you've gone bang straight into the world world title picture. Well, I mean, it would be nice to get the European, but that's tied up at the minute. So, mm. you know, I, 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 I've got to push on to where I want to get. In. And like I said, that's pushing on towards knocking on the door to, you know, fighting for a world title in the next year or so. But, you know, there's no easy fights. You know, if, if I want to get to that level and, and achieve what I set out to do, these are the guys I've got to go through. And let's, let's you know, let's not overlook one of the big talking points as well. Getting it in Sheffield, mate. I mean, that must have put a smile on your face. Most things like this, you've kind of got to go on the road and go, got to go and do it somewhere else. To get this in front of your home fans, mate, your phone must have been off the chain this week with people saying, Oi, how do I get a ticket for this? Mate, it's crazy, but, you know, I've, I've headlined in Sheffield, you know, twice now. And, you know, the support, they always surprise me, come out, show the love. And, you know, especially when I announced this fight, you know, it, it got the taste buzz going for, for for some people, and you know I'm expecting a big turnout. It's going to be hectic in there, and you know I'm, I'm I can't wait for it. Are, are you doing the full camp in uh, in Czech? Because I know you flirted with doing bits and bats in America when you've been on your holidays and whatever. You can't stay out of a gym, you. But um, are you doing the whole thing based in Sheffield, or are you are you trying other things as well as you as you're going along? I mean, it'd be nice to do a full camp in the sun, but you know, <laughs> s- s- sunny Sheffield at the minute that I'll have to do. So yeah, full camp at, um, at home, mate. Fantastic. Brilliant. Listen, it, uh, when uh, Matchroom obviously announced the re- the recent schedule, this was the one that absolutely leaped off the page. Dalton, listen, have mm. a safe, healthy camp, my man. We're looking forward to you uh, throwing down with Jose Zapata. It is a sensational fight, and I'm sure the fans in Sheffield are going to come out in full force, mate, to show you a lot of support. Appreciate it. Pleasure speaking to you too, boys. Yeah, great speaking to you, mate. Top man. Go well, mate. Appreciate go well. It. There you go. Thank you. Uh, Dalton Smith, um, we've been we've been speaking about Dalton for a long period of time on the show and it's been, as he's just said, he's been in that British domestic scene for a long period of time. He wanted to win the Lonsdale belt outright. Spencer obviously advocate mm-hmm. for that because every fighter wants to do those types of things. I felt for at least a year to 18 months, he's ready. Yeah. Because he's got a wonderful amateur pedigree. I think I've I've been banging the drum. Let's get him up there. Let's get him up there. Let's see what happens. 
this piece of matchmaking took my breath away when they made brilliant, it. Made. Brilliant, brilliant. And, and it reminds me very much of the Taylor Postal thing when they Absolutely. did when they did that. Perfect matchmaking. It really is great. A great bit of matchmaking. That I mean, the fight that makes it's my mouth water. You know the fight, fight. You know the fight that makes my mouth water, don't you? Him and Adam Azim. Oh, he's the European champion. That's why I dropped it out there. I dangled the carrot. Yeah, but yeah, no. But I'm saying, but that, that's what I'm saying. I you said, know that they're going to meet at some point later down the line. It has, to, it has to be for a world title. That's the point because oh, they're that good. They're that good. I think it would be a crime if it wasn't for a world title. And I think that Dalton has now because he won the British. Adam Azim won the European. Yeah, in his tenth fight, broke my long-standing record of yeah, 26 I saw. years. I saw. Thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Um, and now he's leapfrogging him. And he's going for the world. Like, it makes sense. On that same card, we've got a world title. Sandy Ryan was so unlucky not to be classed the unified champion at £147. She was robbed, let's be honest, against Jessica McCaskill. Well, she's back at home defending, this time against the former £135 champion and £154 champion, Terry Harper. Terry looking to try and become a three-weight world champion. It's set to be an absolute shindig. And Terry Harper joins us on the show on Saturday to talk about it. I want to discuss the step down in weight because, with all due respect, you've gone to 154, looked an absolute million dollars. You're rocking and rolling... Uh, with the very best to ever do it. And now you're deciding, go on then, I'll have a little bit of a crack at 147. What's the decision behind it? Is it just a case of that's where the opportunity is? Yeah, definitely. That's the reason why we went up to 154 in the first place. Um, main reason, just wanting to be world champion again, the opportunity to, to fight Hannah Rankin. Um, so I went on and did that, uh, won the world title there. And obviously a few fights up at this weight. Uh, and the opportunity came up for the one one forty seven belt and it's it's a way that's a lot more comfortable for me and um I'm I was getting in the ring with these bigger girls and I could I, I could tell on the night that <laughs> I'm not a two hundred and fifty four pounder but um the opportunity were there so that's uh, the reason why one fifty four. I mean, female boxing really has evolved over the last couple of years, hasn't it? Like, I mean, you know, you girls, we saw that great fight last weekend and um, and Natasha Jonas and Michaela Mayer and we saw, you know, they both left it all in the ring and that's what you women are doing right now. And this is another great fight, an all-British fight. Sandy Ryan is a good fighter as well. You know, she's coming off that controversial Mm. draw to um, Jessica McCaskill. I mean, great fight, this one. Yeah, um... I, I honestly, props to Sandy for for giving me the opportunity, and um, I know she was wanting the McCaskill rematch and stuff, but that that's not materialised. So I feel very lucky to to be in this position, and it's it's a chance for me to become free weight world champion, and um, I get to do that in front of my home crowd. So what more could I could I want or ask for really? What did you make of the uh, fight that she had with McCaskill? I mean. Listen, I'll, I'll be open and honest. Mm. I thought that she won. I know that it was a bit controversial on the scorecards. What did you make of it? Yeah, Sandy winning. Uh, clear, clear. Really, it's I, I, I think it's one of the worst robberies I've I've seen, and mm. um, I, I did feel good for her because obviously you put a lot of time and effort. Um, Sandy's really dedicated to the sport. You can see now that she's out in Vegas training and like away from family and friends, and I think that just shows a level of commitment to to be the best. So. Um, mm. But again, I, I think it's a great fight that Matt Trum put on, and I feel like it's going to bring the best versions of us both out on the night. When you when you started this crazy journey, Terry, 
uh, now you just mentioned it there, the opportunity to become a three-weight world champion. That's like Hall of Fame type mm. stuff, getting into the multiple-weight world championship status. Did you, did you ever think that... Listen, obviously the dream's to become world champion, of course, but a multi-weight, a three-weight world champion? Oh, ne- honestly, never in a million years. I I was just loving... Obviously, when I first turned over, I was loving just being back boxing and mm-hmm. being on the small old, small old shows at Doncaster Dome. Um, I, I loved it so much. And then I just felt like everything just like snowballed and um, career skyrocketed so quickly. And I just feel like now it's it's my last couple of fights... Uh, I've been I've been kind of disappointed with my performance and stuff, and I'm I'm really wanting for me. I, I said this next fight, it's not about win, winning, losing, drawing, whatever happens. I just want to be going out there and being happy with myself and my own performance. And I think that's that's the biggest thing for me. I mean, it is a huge fight for you, and 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 again, a big opportunity against Sandy Ryan. What what are we expecting? What are you expecting from Sandy? Um, so I've, I've sparred Sandy a few times and. Um, obviously, Sandy's she's she's big, she's strong. Um, I feel like I've, I, it's one of these fights where I can't let Sandy get into a rhythm and uh, be in charge. Really, I've got to I've got to upset that and and really put the pressure on him. And again, that's for me then to be working on in training camp is uh, my pressure and just being relentless. Listen, we're looking forward to it. Before I let you go, obviously the big talking point this week has been the scoring of last weekend's fight, which coincidentally is in your weight division. You might go on to uh, <laughs> uh, fight one of these as a as a as a unification. Should you be should you come through the fight with uh, Sandy Ryan? What did you make uh, of last weekend? One as a fight, and two when the scores were read out. Um, obviously when when the fight first started, the first two rounds, I thought uh, Jonas Jonas started really well and she was making Maya fall short and. I thought Maya looked heavy on her feet, and I, I, straight away I thought this weight's going to be um, too much for her. But mm. um, after, I think after those first two rounds, Maya just got used to the southpaw stance and really started to feel comfortable. And she really, she really put the pressure on Jonas. And um, personally, I believe I believe Maya won. Um, and I'm I just good. I feel like she's just just been robbed again. A chance of becoming world champion and. Yeah, it's crazy. Where, where's your Where's your stance on three minute rounds for elite world title female fights? So I, I like the two minutes. Um, I think it's explosive. It's exciting. Um, what What one thing I have said before though, I do believe 12, 12 rounds should be introduced to world title fights for for females at least as, as a starting point. So there you have it. Another action packed Saturday night. Uh, this week, it's all about Joshua Boazzi and Dan Aziz. We've got some special programming coming your way on TalkSport, so make sure you're listening throughout the whole course of the week. Subscribe to the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel. There'll be interviews galore coming up uh, for you on there. And of course, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss out on any of the boxing content that we supply for you on TalkSport. I will be back Saturday night, 7pm on TalkSport 2, for a bit of undercard action involving Adam Azim. And then, of course, at nine o'clock, cross over to TalkSport for live, exclusive commentary of the light heavyweight showdown between Joshua Boazzi and Dan Aziz. Should be an absolute cracker. I'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.